You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what you doing? Oh, just staying warm, <laughs> hanging out with you in the good old new studio space. Middle to end of uh, January. So things are definitely approaching record highs, heat waves. Uh, we're freezing, so yeah. we're doing good. But the good thing is, is we're on the other end. It's only going to get longer. The days are only going to get longer from here. We're all golden. But before we dive into the episode, thank you very much for joining us. If you're new here, thank you so much. We are the Buffalo Happy Hour Podcast. Uh, we upload videos every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube right here. You can also leave a like and then leave a comment below. Let us know if you like this video, if you didn't like this video, or what else you can add to this section. We have today our weekly recap. Then we're going to jump into Centauri Whiskey. Uh, Centauri Toki whiskey, and then we're gonna round this episode out with John R. Oshai. So, Michael, why are you so cold? Because we live in Buffalo, and <laughs> we're in our secondary studio space, which is our garage, and uh, it's great. You know, we're crushing it. At least it looks good on camera, though. It's for the matters. most part, it's all that matters. Yeah, that's all I care about. We're working on some things. Don't worry, some stuff's in the works. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man, how was your week? What's your weekly recap look like? We came over to your house for the Bills game. You had a little get together under ten people. Let's not. When do we, when can we stop saying that? Now I stopped saying that forever ago. But it's still care. illegal. Whatever. Is so it when can we stop? No. But when can we stop saying it? When is it just assumed that we're following protocols? I, last I checked, I lived in a free country, so. <laughs> Maybe when Cuomo goes to the Bills game, we can all hang out. Oh, wait. Uh, but, yeah, so we went over to your house for the Bills game. It was the AFC Divisional game with uh, the Buffalo Bills versus the Baltimore Ravens, which we all know how excited I am that we beat them. That's all I wanted, man. I just wanted to beat them. We got past the first round. We played Baltimore, which I do not like. I actually gained a little bit of respect for them, though, this past week. I think that they put on a really good game. They also, um, like Lamar Jackson was being like a nice dude. I mean, even during press conference, he, 
press conferences. He was like, Buffalo's a good team. I mean, I can't say anything bad about them. And then he got hurt, and then we all donated to his charity. It just made me gain some respect for him. Yeah. I'm still bitter and salty. Why? I just think he's misapplied. Yeah. But but that's not his fault. I know. That's Greg Roman's fault, who True. used to be the offensive coordinator in Buffalo when under who? Tyrod Taylor was their quarterback at that point? Or was I, it? No, I think you're right. Which he was not a very good offensive coordinator in that situation either. You got to let quarterbacks throw. Well, yeah. And well, you also have to groom them to be able to throw, mm-hmm. which he failed to do so. And they were a one dimensional offense. Our defense came up big and proofs in the pudding. Yeah. I, I told you. I told you as soon as that game ended that somebody would still say we didn't deserve to win. And that Nick Wright dude still said it. He's an idiot. He's like, well, uh, they they weren't a very good team, and it's going to show next week versus Kansas City. I'm like, just shut up, dude. Yep. God. Yep. And Lamar Jackson is still the, the second coming of Jesus. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's really what we did. Um, I got a new computer for editing, which is very exciting. Uh, my laptop is kind of on the fritz. It's like, dude, you are doing way too much video editing for this type of a computer. So you need something else. So I've been trying to route ethernet cables all day today well it's not fun no it's a bear because you have no clue where you are not at all yeah and like i have a cape so the upstairs doesn't fit directly on top of the downstairs which is very hard because i'm drilling up through closets and it's poking up in the middle of the floor like what the hell's this but i had to go get a, a drill bit that was like 12 inches long i'm like jesus this is a weapon at this point <laughs> Yeah, man. But at least it gave you an excuse to get more tools. So that's cool. I ran to Harbor Freight right over by you. Picked up a nice little 12-inch drill bit and just went to town. I started drilling holes in walls that I didn't need to, (laughs) taking down walls with this 12-inch drill bit. Well, when you got the Wuhan drill bit, you know, that's what you need. Good for you. But yeah, Ethernet cables are not very fun. No. What uh, What did you do? How was your week? Week was good. Colleen's cousin came in from out of town. He lives up in Maine. Uh, They have a million people in Maine. And they're at like a 0.03% infection rate. So he was, of course, negative. Uh, Came down, hung out, stayed at the Kelly Bread and Breakfast, uh, enjoyed watching the game with us. He's a Patriots fan, but he understands the love for for Buffalo. He actually roots for Buffalo Mm. in regards to the season, so he's excited for that. Um, Let's see. I cried. You witnessed that over the victory. Couldn't contain myself. Uh, Brian Dable does not get hired by the Chargers, which is huge. So it's most likely he's going to be staying here. Leslie Frazier's a top candidate for the Houston Texans. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Outside of that, I had the whiskey shakes on Sunday because I drank too much on Saturday. (laughs) So I woke up, started cleaning, realized I should stop cleaning all the glassware because I was shaking like Michael J. Fox. So then (laughs) we decided to take a walk. Um, outside in the woods. So that was nice. Got Colleen some new hiking boots. And she's what kind? Just some waterproof Keens. Nothing too crazy, but uh, for her, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're mid-cut, just over the ankle bone, so she's got some good support. So we hung out, went down 18 Mile Creek with her cousin um, and Sam, our dog, if you're new here. And, uh, yeah, Sam got super muddy, just loved it, playing in the woods, came home, gave him a bath, and then we watched the rest of the football games and had sushi. Are there actual hiking trails at 18 Mile, or do you just do whatever you want? No, there are, uh, but... You just do whatever you want? Yeah. <laughs> so yes and yes. Correct. Uh, yeah. With with the family, I stuck to the trail, but when it's just Sam and I, we 
now. We just do whatever we want. Yeah. I can do what I want. That's right. Friend. That's right. Last I checked, it was public land. <laughs> so, yeah, we basically just hang out and him and I go play in the woods. Yeah. Well, that's cool. What, what do you think about the other games? The first one wasn't bad. Uh, I was honestly bored watching the Saints and the Buccaneers game. It was th- one of the longest games of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It was like four and a half hours long. There were flags almost every other play. And it was excruciating to watch. Uh, the Buccaneers' offensive line is super annoying because they just pick fights constantly, mm-hmm. and it's w- like a waste of time. Just get back to the line of scrimmage and keep playing football. Um, and you know, with with Drew Brees, quote unquote, leaving, I like I respect him, but it's it doesn't change my life. Like it's I don't know. I am. But if there was a team that I wanted, if the Bills made it to the Super Bowl, or when the Bills make it to the Super Bowl, um. I would have rather played the, the Saints because I like the fact that I like Drew Brees. A hundred percent. If we lost to the Saints, it would be less of a heartbreak for me because I want him to get a title. If we get to the friggin' Super Bowl and it's us versus Brady and he beats us, I swear to God, dude, there is zero percent chance Green Bay is not going to the Super Bowl. They were going to beat either team. I know. Like, they're just a better all-around unit, so I wasn't worried. Like, I knew we weren't going to play Brady because he's going to get literally stomped by Aaron Rodgers. But you never know, though, dude. They have any a better given team. given Sunday, though. They have a better team. But any given... It's your phrase, any given Sunday. For the AFC. Well. But the NFC is a totally different... Co- like, it's just different. It's, it's literally like watching two different NFLs. Mm-hmm. Like, the NFC doesn't even come close to the AFC this year. Um, and the only team that stands a chance against the AFC is Aaron Rodgers and the Green mm-hmm. Bay Packers. Like they're just a better unit, and they play well on all three sides of the ball. I don't like the Saints played like absolute garbage. They couldn't get anything going, yeah. and the Buccaneers really couldn't get anything going until they got three interceptions. Right, like it's just I don't, the Saints gave them that game, in my opinion. But I'm just not afraid of the Saints or the Buccaneers. What about the Packers? Are you afraid of them? I respect them a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not even thinking about it. I'm only thinking about Kansas City and how Mahomes is going to shake out. I'm And how we're going to play Chad Henney. I'm fairly confident Mahomes is going to be playing, but I yeah. question his foot injury. Um, like if That's he, what I'm more concerned about. People are talking about the concussion a lot. I'm more concerned about that foot. He looked not very mobile at all. No, which is the huge. Game. The only time that he looked mobile was when he was sprinting into the locker room. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, which makes me think, like, I don't like to go down this road, but it makes me think that, it wasn't that big of a head injury, and it was just like, let's just take him out so he's not re-aggravating this toe injury. But the game was so close, too, that I, I can't – I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. I don't know if it was a concussion. I think it was more like spinal or nerve. Yeah, or he was knocked out. Like, the way that he was tackled was right around his neck. That's so he could have just lost consciousness. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it – I don't know if it was like a quick blood choke, mm-hmm. like or or what, but he was obviously he was super dizzy and just not coherent. But watching it, you wouldn't think, oh, that definitely gave him a concussion. Like with Lamar, yeah. the back of his head smacks the turf. Like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for Mahomes, I feel like his head was, um, his head was basically being ripped off away from his body in that yeah. tackle, and it was just super awkward. So I don't think it's a concussion. I think it's more spinal or nerve. But either way, we'll see what happens. Obviously, things are going to change on Friday. So, you know, what's the point? Mm-hmm. But I just wish we could uh, have the championship game here. That would me have been too. Nice. Me too. That would have been cool. That would have been real nice. Would have been loud. But whatever. I what know. are you going to do? What do you have coming up 
uh, or anything else in your week that you did? No, no, no. It was basically just a lot of prep because I knew um, the B and B was going to be occupied. Yeah. So, but did you? Uh, are are you possessed still or no? Definitely not possessed, which is a good thing. Um, but that dream freaked me out. So we'll just keep moving on. I hate how I can see my breath. It's not that bad. I can see my breath. I can't see mine. Well, well then, I can see mine, and it's freaking me out. All right, let's. Uh, do you want to get to the whiskey section already? I'm assuming that there's a lot of company background, so we probably should. There, there, there is quite a bit. So we'll, right. we'll, we'll just dive right in. Let's do it. So this whiskey we have today is called Centauri Toki. And what's interesting about this particular product is that there isn't a Centauri distillery. The way that the Japanese work when it comes to distilling their products is they like to take different whiskeys from three main distilleries in the Japanese area and then blend it. Kind of like a kind of like an MGP, but not really because Centauri is technically under, like it's a product of these three distilleries where MGP sources it out. Um, so we'll get into it a little bit, but basically Centauri itself, the overall company is broken down into three different distilleries. It's the Yamazaki distillery, the Hakushu, the Hakushu distillery, and the Chita distillery. So the Yamazaki distillery um, is Japan's first and oldest malt whiskey distillery established in 1923 by Centauri's founder, Shinjiro Tori. Inspired by traditional Scottish whiskey, Tori envisioned a Japanese approach by choosing a terrain and climate completely different from those of Scotland to create a unique kind of whiskey. The Yamazaki distillery is thus the birthplace of Japanese whiskey. Nestled proudly in the periphery of Kyoto, this region was formerly referred to as Minasino, where one of the purest waters of Japan originates. Yamazaki is also home to the Shenno Rikyu, master of the way of tea. Yamazaki Distillery is where Katsura, Uji, and Kizu Rivers converge, providing a unique misty climate in one of Japan's softest waters. The diversity of the region's temperature and humidity creates ideal conditions for cask aging, known as the signature Centauri maturation. So that is the first distillery. And after that, so the uh, Shinjiru Tori, he had obviously master distillers under him. And the Hakushu Distillery was founded half a century after Yamazaki. Kaizo Saji inherited his father's vision in his quest for innovation and constructed the second Centauri Distillery in 1973. Kaizo Saji, the second master blender, inherited his father's quest to push the boundaries of what a Japanese whiskey could be. He had searched all over Japan for high-quality water that will become the most delicately aromatic to produce whiskey that people would love. After searching with tenacity to the headstreams of rivers and deep into rugged mountains, he found Hakushu. The Hakushu distillery is without question one of the highest distilleries in the world, built amidst the deepest forest of Mount Kakomagataki in the Japanese Southern Alps. You like that? I had to pronounce that like 17 times before I read it, and I still messed up. So the majestic forest that surrounded Hakashu Distillery shelters an abundance of plant varieties reflecting on the many expressions of Japanese nature. The malt whiskeys born here are simultaneously blessed with a very particular microclimate, verdant forests, 
forests and water offering a rare softness and purity only made possible by filtration of rain and snow through thousands of year old granite rocks. So that's the second distillery. The third one is Chita. So Chita in 1972, Kaizo Saji, the second blender again, took a momentous step forward in pursuing Tori's vision for diverse and truly Japanese whiskey blended with riches of uh, with the riches of Japanese nature and craftsmanship. Of the misty, calm shores of Chita Peninsula, Kaizo built a distillery dedicated to creating uh, the highest quality Japanese grain whiskey. So the first two distilleries were single malts, and this one is a grain, using mainly corn grain and continuous multiple column distillation processes. The Chita distillery makes three types of grain whiskey. The heavy type grain whiskey is distilled through two columns, the medium type uh, through three columns, and the clean type through four columns. This diversity is rare among grain whiskey distillers, as most only produce the heavy type. Due to their exceptional smoothness and balance, Chita grain whiskies have traditionally been used as the dashi, or broth that enhances the harmony in Centauri's renowned blended whiskies. But through many years of research and innovation, the Chita distillery's grain whiskey has achieved an unrivaled sophistication and complexity, culminating in the Chita single grain whiskey. So... You have these three distilleries. They all create their own products. We have a Yamazaki product, uh, the biggest one, which is a, an interesting fact that I found. The first Japanese whiskey in the United States was introduced in 1990, which was the Yamazaki 12-year, and was the only Japanese option for whiskey until Yamazaki 18 came out in 2005. So there, that's it. That's all you can find in the U.S., so Yamazaki was put into the limelight by winning multiple awards, and with that, there was an emphasis on creating a blended product using Yamazaki whiskey that was more affordable. Suntory started creating Hibiki, uh, which is another common Japanese whiskey brand, which was, again, pretty expensive, even for the Hibiki Harmony expression, around $70. So that's what created this Suntory Toki, which is the basically bottom-line entry-level whiskey that this Suntory company creates. Um... So some specifics about Suntory Toki. Uh, Toki means time in Japan or in Japanese. Uh, Suntory Toki is a Japanese whiskey created by blending the products from three different Japanese distilleries, two single malts, and a grain whiskey, which include Yamazaki, Hakushu, and Chita. Suntory Toki separates themselves from the other blended products that are created using the same distilleries by having one uh, or by having more of an emphasis on the cheetah distillery process over the other single malt distilleries. So this is going to be primarily uh, heavy grain compared to like the Hibiki Harmony and the other uh, Japanese products. So some awards that they won, they won the in 2010, 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2017 International Spirits Challenge, Centauri won Worldwide Whiskey Producer of the Year. Right? Pretty sick. And then in 2013, San Francisco World Spirits Competition, they won the uh, Distillery of the Year. So they didn't win anything specific to the Suntory Toki, but the distillation process and the distillery process in general is what won uh, the Whiskey Producer of the Year. Uh, and that's really it. So this is going to be interesting. It is a high grain um, than you would really typically see in a Japanese whiskey product, but I'm, I'm going to be uh, pretty excited to try this. Well, let's try it. All right, all right. Here we go. Oh, it's chilled. It's oily, too.
Have some fruit. This is true. This is, if I had to compare this one, this is similar to more of a Irish whiskey. I like this one the best so far. Yeah. Over, um, Hatazaki. Hatazaki. That's like mm-hmm. Hatazaki and the Kikori. Yeah. So you like this one the most? Yeah. Why is that? Tasting notes are just a little bit better for me and my palate. Uh, it's more drinkable for me. It's a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. So this is Suntory Toki Japanese whiskey, 86 proof, 43% ABV. So it's not. The hottest thing we've ever tasted, but I mean, it's got something. It's not just a typical eighty proof, which I like. But yeah, this is this is pretty good. I actually don't mind this. The color still throws me off. It's like a it's like a clear gold. Well, you also also have to think they don't really do the typical maturation process. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and when they do, it's a very early um, whiskey. It's not like. 18 years, 12 years. The reason that this is so cheap is because it's sitting in their casks for like, it didn't have an age statement on it, but it's probably like two to three years. So you're not getting a lot of the oak or barrel reflective into this at all, which is why it's pretty light. Yeah. Well, we're having it neat because it's what we do. We literally try everything neat, Mm -hmm. but we should discuss cocktails because there are some options and then we'll rate it. Sounds good. All right, drop the beer for the cocktail section. Cocktails. Okay, so you like that? That's mine. My, my that cat. was that was different. Well then, <laughs> mine is called the Half Rock. Uh, you pour this whiskey into a glass over a large ice cube, singular, not plural. You stir it gently, then you add the same amount of mineral water that you used for alcohol so it's equal parts and then mineral water mineral water on the mineral yep and then you stir that gently with a bar spoon and you enjoy Mm. so it's a half rock so is the rock i'm assuming is signifying the ice yes i watched this cool video on their website all this information for the distiller history is on their website um so that's where i was reading it off of the there was a video cool video of this dude making an ice ball like a sphere just by using his hands it was the most wild thing in the world i can't handle that <laughs> so what's your cocktail so mine is called the highball so they actually created this whiskey specifically for the highball cocktail uh you fill a glass with ice and let chill pour the chilled whiskey in to taste stir add chilled soda three to four parts soda to one part whiskey you do a single stir from the bottom to top and then garnish with a grapefruit or lemon twist. So it's basically just this over ice with a lemon twist. Yeah. Nice. There's the simplicity of the Japanese culture is so interesting to me. I am. We with talked you on about that. this last time. Yeah. It's so like it's simplistic, but technical, which doesn't really make sense. They don't normally go hand in hand, but it's literally just ice, this whiskey, and a lemon twist. But they're so specific on like single stir from bottom to top. Fill the glass and then chill it with ice first. Like it's very intricate but simple at the same time. I like the way they go about things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I almost made a joke and I didn't. So be proud. Yeah. No, so I'm, I mean, I'm good. So 
All right, let's rate this. So for everybody that uh, is has been following us along, we obviously do these weekly Wednesday whiskey reviews. We have our board updated with season 3.1 because we're now finally in season three. Bro. <clears throat> Congrats on season three. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're in season 3.1 right now. New color? All of, yeah, yeah. Partially because Red ran out, but also because I wanted to mix things up a little bit. Yes. Um, but all of our whiskey reviews that we've ever done are in our Google spreadsheet. So if you go to our Instagram bio or our Facebook bio, you can click on that link to our link tree. Yes. And then that'll bring up all the options to subscribe on YouTube, to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and also a sheet that outlines everything from the Wednesday whiskey reviews. And we're talking in depth. Wednesday whiskey reviews. We have the name of the whiskey in there. We have the label, branding, nose, initial taste, ending notes, and also the actual notes itself. It's not just a rating. We say, oh, this has spice, old wood, and all that stuff. Then we round it out with the final rating. We also include prices in there. We link the Wednesday whiskey review clip in there for you. And then we also put our cocktail section stuff in there for you. It's literally, it should be your Bible at this point. I mean, w- would you rather read our cocktail section or the Bible? The cocktail section <laughs> is my Bible, so I do two things at once. <laughs> the rosary. Um, so <laughs> we are uh, going to get into it, Mike. All right, man. Label. Let's do it. Uh, label branding. I'm going to go B minus. Uh, first of all, there's no cork. So nicked. And from what I've read is most Japanese whiskeys do not have corks. Well, so see, stuff- this is why I love American whiskey and <laughs> bourbon. So it's a screw-off cap. I will. Oh, Jesus. Mary and Joseph. All right. End See you later, demo. folks. Goodbye. End of Jesus. demo. So <laughs> from there, they have they actually have like a kind of textured like paper. Which I like. It, I was okay with that, which is why I'm still in the B range. Have you ever broken your arm? Oh, my God. Or broken a bone? And they wrap that, like, medical tape around it? That's what that feels like. Gauze? Mm, no, no, I wouldn't say gauze, but it's like that, that texture of a cast around that thing. Like, you know how some people have, like, purple casts? It's like, they don't make that. It's really hard for me to say cast now and not casks. But anyway, that's the material that that is, which yes, is pretty cool. Is- it is similar to medical tape and a, a soft skin cast. Yes, I'm with you. Um, well, that's about it on this entire bottle. Uh, it's shaped like a flask, and their label's basically just the name, yeah. where it's established, uh, and that's and, and it's proof because of law. And mm. that's about it. They have a vivid blend of carefully selected Japanese whiskeys, silky with a subtle, sweet, and spicy finish, which just describes like any whiskey in the history of the world. This is the bare minimum that you can get on a whiskey bottle, yeah, basically. I, I'm, I'm literally just going to go um, a B. Oh, you're upgrading. Because of the medical tape? I like it. B. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right, nose. Nose. I'm. I'm kind of crushing this, dude. This is pretty good. You slow it down over there, ass off. <laughs> Great. We're gonna get demonetized now. Hassle hoof. That's his cousin. No one knows about. There you go. You're getting a lot of honey on the nose. 
and kind of like a fresh herb, like a a basil or something. A fresh a fresh basil, as Gordon Ramsay says. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna grab the the top so that this doesn't spill and like leak all over. It's a very inviting nose. It. You have an inviting nose. Thanks. How's that? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's that inviting, but the I'm Italian. It can't be that inviting. It's also I'm gonna throw you in the water. Um, but the I think that it's very refreshing, and when you smell this, it makes you think of warmer days. You know how there's some days or there's some whiskeys that just make you feel like it's gonna it's perfect for winter. Where do you come up with this? It's just how I'm feeling, man. <laughs> did you meditate before we hit record? I did. Um, I did. So this is just very light. And this is something that I associate with a summer drink, which makes me think of warmer days. And I'm also freezing and I can't feel my left wing toe. (laughs) So I'm trying to put myself in a situation where I'm warm. Uh, And and this does that. It's very refreshing. It's very inviting. It makes you want to take a sip. We were drinking the other day. And that whiskey, as soon as I took a sip of that, I'm like, this is winter whiskey, 100%. Because it makes you feel warm all the way down. Yeah, this, I'm with this, you. know, it just feels refreshing. There's yeah. like a little floral notes in there, too, and maybe a little lemon. But for the most part, just honey and basil. I agree, I agree, I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. All right, uh, taste? Well, hold on. We got to give a rating. Oh. Why do we say agree, then? I'm just going to um, go. I'm just going to go B. B plus. B plus? Mm-hmm. All right, initial taste. What are you getting? You get like the blast in your mouth of like a peppermint. Yeah, it's very front heavy. Honey. It hits you really quick and then dissipates. So similar to the Kikori, it really has a good taste up front. And then as it goes down, it's just oil. It's fruity too, and yeah, the ending note is basically just oil, but it's it's fruity up front, like the the tartiness of a fruit. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I'm. It's not. If you had to pick a, maybe I'm just thinking grapes because of last week, because that's what Kikori tastes. But I can kind of taste a little green grape in here. There is baking spice too, but it's not like a, it's not oak, wood sugar, it's nothing like yeah. that. Um, I'm gonna go B. Yeah, just B. Yeah. There is, there is like an underlying peat note. I don't really know what they're. They don't really tell you mashables on this, but I can tell you it's probably primarily corn and then high in the barley. You're not. There's not a lot of rye. There's not a lot of wheat. It's. Corn and barley, I'm assuming, which gives you that sweet characteristic. Um, and I guess kind of that fruitier floral note. When right. you when you consistently sip it like this and you get to the any note, all I'm getting is oil and pepper. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I'm also getting a little vanilla on the end of it. But I think that that is 
the oil is going down. That's yeah, that's where I'm at. The it, flavors hit you real quick up front in the initial taste, and then all the residue is just going back. Yeah. Again, I'm just gonna go like a a C plus or a B minus. Like it's yeah, it's a B range. minus. I like it. All right, final rating. Give me that countdown. Three, two, one. Eighty-four. Eighty-three. Nice. Which actually, that's a pretty good rating. I mean, that's a solid B, B minus. Yeah, math. It's interesting. This is completely different from Kikori. One hundred percent different. It's for me. I like it more than that. It's just. And the rating doesn't necessarily reflect that. I understand mega fans, but my point is, this is easier to drink mm-hmm. on a more regular basis, opposed to the other two that we've done. Yeah. What's they, the price range on this? Forty-five. Forty-five. Or Forty. Forty. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. So the, between forty whoops. and forty-five bucks. Jesus, Derek, what are you doing? The so we've had three very different. Japanese whiskeys. No doubt. We had Hatazaki, yep. which don't mind me, I'm just fixing uh the boom arm. But we had Hatazaki, which is Super Peaty. Super Peaty, yep. more heavily Scottish influence. Yeah. Then we've had Kikori, which is true Japanese rice whiskey all the way. There was no peat, there was nothing. It was just straight rice whiskey. Yeah. And then we had this, which is kind of like a middle ground, I guess, in between the two. And that's why you like this one better, because you're not a big, you don't prefer the peat note. I like the Hatazaki a little bit better. I think that that one was very delicious. This is a very close second, though. For for a budget Japanese whiskey of 40 bucks, this is something that you should go get if you're looking to get into the Japanese whiskey market, because this is a perfect blend of what Japanese culture and what the Japanese distillation process is into one product. Yeah, this is like a good neutral intro yeah. into the realm. Don't go straight into um, Yamazaki. Just don't do it. I mean, Yamazaki is very peat forward. Um, and this is a product of that with incorporating the, uh, the what was it, the Chinu? I can't remember all this stuff. The Cheetah Distillery, which is highly grain focused. So it's like a... A dialed down Yamazaki. Yeah. Um, and if you're just getting into whiskey and you want to try something, do not go Yamazaki. First of all, it's extremely expensive because that's one of the higher end Japanese whiskeys. But this is a good blend between just getting started. Yeah. I'm with you. But I'm happy to like it. Can you actually pass me that? I do want a little bit more. 80, 83 is a, is a good rating for this. I think that that is very, very reflective of this whiskey. That was super quiet, yeah, I mean, by the way. If anybody heard that, uh, good for you. If you didn't, you should probably go get your ears checked. Yeah. And if you're not watching on YouTube, what are you doing? Slide it. Nailed it. Perfect. We're athletes. All right. So. You had a lot in there. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to add? What your so your overall thoughts is you like this one the most? Correct. Yeah, and that's. <clears throat> but again, I'm I'm very partial to American bourbon, uh, so this isn't necessarily my immediate go to. But I I don't mind it if it was. I'm, it's a delicacy. It's a treat. Yeah. You know. 
Next week, we're going huge American. Cannot wait. Let's go. All right. So now into the prominent people of Buffalo. All right. So everybody, thank you uh, for following us this far in our five episodes of the prominent people of Buffalo section. We are now on episode six, where Mike is going to talk quite a bit about John R. O'Shai, which came to fame quite recently. Well, yeah, people hear about his hospital, or I'm sorry, a hospital in Buffalo named after him, but John R. O'Shai is actually a native, and his story has nothing to do with healthcare, which is perfect. pretty interesting. So So let's just name a hospital after him. Well, you'll see why. All right, I see Giuseppe in there, so I'm super excited. Let's go. <clears throat> yeah, so John R. Oshai was born in Buffalo in 1886 to Charles Hubert Oshai and Julia Rofo Oshai. Oshai's grandfather, whatever the hell you said. Giuseppe. Joseph Oshai immigrated to the United States from Lombardy, Italy in 1859. All right, that's a really weird name. Giuseppe is heavily Italian, and Oshai sounds Scottish or Irish. Do you know where they're from? <clears throat> this is all I got. I'm oh. reading what I got. What? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you would expect Giuseppe to come before, like, a more Italian name. Yeah. And it's Oshai. I'm just right. saying that that's an interesting combination. That's all. I agree. I agree with you. I just don't have the answer to your question because, once again, you're putting me on the spot <laughs> and interrogating me under the lights. But anyways, by 1868, Joseph owned a saloon. On Buffalo's Prime Street. And by 1861, he owned another saloon and a restaurant on Ohio Street in Buffalo. Fun fact about Ohio Street, it was the drag race capital of the city of Buffalo back in the day. Was it really? Yeah. So Joseph married... Anna Lied. Adelaide Von Wilt. And they had three kids. Adelaide. Adelaide. I don't know. I'm just messing Something. So, either way, they had three kids. Charles, who's John's father. Orila. Orila and Amelia. At the time of Joseph's death in 1878, he owned the Golden Gate Hotel on 160 Exchange Street in Buff- uh, yeah, in Buffalo. So, Exchange Street, Buffalo General, I believe, is also on Exchange Street. Uh, Charles, age 19, took over responsibility for the family for his deceased father. And by 1890, he graduated from Buffalo Law and then he set up his own practice. So, just so I don't crush myself later when I listen to this, uh, I have to confirm that Buffalo General is on Exchange Street. No, it's not. It's on High Street. Nailed it. So, let's see. Okay, so in 1916, Oshai was driving down Delaware Ave near Virginia Street in downtown Buffalo during a rainstorm. This is basically what he's known for. He hit a dude on a bike. Nice. He felt horrible about it because the bicycle, the bicyclist, the the bicyclist, the the bicycle, the bicyclist. Yeah, he ran into the national roadster that Oshai was driving at the time. Nice. Oshai never saw him coming, and even though the cyclist was not seriously injured, Oshai vowed to never let that happen again. So he sought out the best technology available at the time and created the first automobile wiper blades and grew the idea from a simple fix to a worldwide use. In really? In 1917, John R. Oshai founded Trico Products Corporation. 
He looked around for a way to clear moisture from a driver's line of vision and decided to invest in the national marketing of an edged, hand-pulled rubber squeegee that was produced in Buffalo by an engineer named John Jespin. Within three years, Oshai's sales team had successfully sold the accessory to Packard, Lincoln, Cadillac, and Buffalo's own Pierce Arrow. They were all car manufacturers at the time. That is super interesting. Yep. So through those sales, Oshai raised enough capital to buy out Jepson in 1919, and then when World War I ended, he expanded availability of the product to Europe and beyond. So he literally went global. Although maintaining cash flow to service, early loans made Trico's initial survival a dicey proposition. Its success was assured following the immediate post-World War I automotive boom, uh, so Trico sales were the, e- I'm sorry, were easily refitted. Here's what happened. Let me just break this down and not look at a TV. <laughs> so after the war, Trico basically came together and then formulated a product that fit the new windshields because before it was hand powered and it was a squeegee that the driver operated by themselves. What they did was they fit two of those squeegees onto one windshield for a one piece of glass. They then offered that spring-loaded arcing wiper that was operated by hand and pivoted across the field of vision. Although Trico did not invent the wiper motor, it did come up with a reliable unit run by engines manifold vacuum that quickly became the industry standard, especially in the aftermarket. Hmm. So Cadillac was the first car manufacturer to make these powered wipers standard. In 1934, that reliable wiper was redesigned to fit the new curved windshields that also included a internal spring to ensure constant pressure across the glass. Two years later, Trico introduced a powered windshield washer. In 1937, its wipers were standard across the entire U.S. auto industry. Trico eventually became one of the world's leading manufacturers of automotive windshield wiping equipment. Which is fascinating because you automatically assume if you know nothing about Buffalo, when you see John R. Osha, you think healthcare because he's the name of a hospital. Even if you know a lot about Buffalo, that's not common knowledge. Not at all. So It's wild, man. <clears throat> especially because it all started when he hit a dude on a bike. Right. Well, what was the dude on the bike doing? The guy on the bike hit him, but yeah, whatever. It's raining out. What it are you doing on the bike? I, Get a car. Be an athlete. Listen, that was pre-World War One. <laughs> Things were different. So, in 1940, Oshai established the foundation, formerly known as the Julia R. and Estelle L. Foundation. He funded it with annual contributions and with charitable remaining uh, remainder trusts. Oshai served as president of the foundation from its founding until his death in 1968, which is really not that long ago mm-hmm. at all. Uh, the foundation concentrated its support to hospitals and schools in the Buffalo area, with the balance being directed to cultural and social services needs. Until 1997, all foundation contributions were made on an anonymous basis. Anonymous. Nailed it. This was consistent with the procedures Oshai followed with regard to the substantial charitable gifts he personally made during his lifetime. His penchant for total anonymity. Anonymity. Sweet. (laughs) Was driven by his strong sense of modesty and of equally strong belief that um, an anonymity, anonymity, anonymity allowed him to make his <laughs> philanthropic decisions with philanthropic. <laughs> this whole podcast is just me correcting you. 
<laughs> so as of December 2015, the foundation has $300 million in assets and gives away nearly $20 million annually. It is among the region's most well-known grant makers, providing resources for programs, capital projects, and nonprofit executive development, and in the last few years alone, provided multi-million dollar gifts to the largest health and education products in Western New York, projects in Western New York, which includes a $10 million donation to develop the now renamed John R. Oshai's Children's Hospital, which is the newest one downtown in the uh, medical campus. So... John R. Oshai was also a member of the Country Club of Buffalo, the Saturn Club. He was the president of the Buffalo Club and was elected in 1948, where he participated in an elite group within the club designated the Society of the Buffalo. At his death in Buffalo in 1968, Oshai had $44 million equivalent to $323,495,000 in 2019, in stocks and bonds, and approximately a million dollars in insurance policies, which in money in 2019 was equivalent to 7.3 mil. So he was doing good things. Mm-hmm. So it's just fascinating to me that it's basically about it's basically about windshield wipers and his donations and not healthcare. Yeah, I didn't know that. And also, I have no clue why I can't read today. We just, uh, when was the last time you replaced your windshield wipers? I feel like that is such an underrated part of your car. People don't think about them until they're broken. I replaced mine six months ago. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So you're part of the problem you're I'm, telling me? I'm super anal about my windshield wipers yeah. because I need them to work because I've had vehicles where they don't work well and I get super mad. Yeah. So I'm meticulous about many things about my truck but we just replaced gina's because the the flap on it finally broke off but uh that is crazy i had no idea that he was part of the development of windshield wipers yeah all because of an accident and he felt bad that's it i mean what a great idea that's how you do things too right you encounter a problem in day-to-day life and you're like how can i invent something that'll help this have you ever thought about inventing something in the process behind actually inventing something yeah, I mean, that's what we did with this podcast. It's basically the same thing. Well, yeah, but we didn't invent podcasts. Well... But like, can you imagine inventing something? I th- There's a lot, like, in the entrepreneurial world. Try to say that one. The entrepreneurial world that say it's easy to be the first at something, but it's very difficult to be the best at something. Yeah. So creating windshield wipers, being the first person to think, you know what? I almost killed this dude because of rain. I'm going to invent something that is going to stop me from ever doing this again. Crazy. And it happened in Buffalo. Yeah, because our weather is atrocious. It's snowing right now. Yeah, I know. Who created the snow blades? I can feel it. (laughs) In my knees. (laughs) (sighs) It's just going to be another great evening of you and I texting each other. Are you thawed out yet? Dude, I don't thaw out. Honestly, like I'll go up and add it a little bit. And I won't thaw out until like eight o'clock. <laughs> My and we talked about this before when we used to ride motorcycles all the time. We were freezing that one day, and the top of our legs yeah, our weren't thawed until like the next day. Yeah, my thighs are cold. It's bad. We got to wrap this thing up. How are your feet right now? Not too bad. Um, but I got to invest into some good pair of like warm boots, like boots that I won't feel like a nerd in. I don't want that stuff where it comes with like a 
insert. That's for virgins. I don't need that. <laughs> I mean, Sorel insert boots have been generationally used by every alpha male in the Northeast. Virgins. I went to today, so like <laughs> I was talking about how I had to do the Ethernet cable. And I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and lie to everybody and say that I'm the biggest alpha male in the world. I drive an infinity. I'm not an alpha male. Like I am in some aspects, but in others I'm not gonna lie and say I am. I go into the hardware store and I'm like, Oh, I, I could probably use that too. Like I just I go in there and I'm like, what what have I been doing? What have I been collecting that I don't have any of this stuff that I actually need? Right. I am like if there is a scale from like beta and like even are, are there such thing as a Charlie male where you just walk around birdcage chested and stuff like that? <laughs> is there just like a, is there a Charlie male out there? Yeah, those exist. Is that like a real thing or are we creating that? You have to be the first. That's what I'm saying. Let's patent that. I'm sure somebody's came up with it or they probably skip Charlie and go right to like echo male. No, like a golf golf. Like hotel, this dude is India. just so pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like non-athletic, <laughs> bird-chested, eats tofu. <laughs> bird-chested. You know, like I, willingly eats tofu. Have you just found out about Domizetti during that video search? No. Oh, okay. Dude, bro science is so funny. When you send me that, yeah, that I was dying. Because, because I used accurate. to watch him religiously Yeah, back when he had just the Domizetti channel. Right. He was talking about Memorial Day weekend, MDW. It was my favorite YouTuber at the time. Yeah, he was a disaster. I mean, he still is he a still disaster because he still makes fun of himself. But he's such a cool dude. Like, he had that channel for a while, Nara RPM or whatever. That was a sick channel. It's coming back, apparently. Is it? Yeah. I guess he came out recently and talked about how he's going to have content. And he said, until then, just watch the same video that I uploaded 15 <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> like, because he never uploads content. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Well, his are multimedia, like, million dollar productions. Like, he buys a McLaren for a video. It's well, like, yeah. Chill out. Well, right. You're fine. He's flexing. Yeah. But it's all based off his apparel. I right. mean, his apparel brand is literally what allows him to do NARPM. But, yeah, I just wanted to send you that because it's a, it's a good throwback. Yeah. The bird chest. And it's accurate. I mean, that does that's real life. And I see those people walking around. So you're around. saying bird chested is, like, in? No. So they're... Describe a bird chest, Mike. Take, they, take like, your jacket off. Their shoulders... Listen, I can't. <laughs> I physically, I'm not built like that. They just got a narrow frame. Their shoulders are kind of like tucked back and then their chest sticks out okay, like a yeah, cage. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, eh. and they have like no, <laughs> they have no development in their traps, nothing in their delts and noodle arms. And they're just like walking around and they're like a 30 waist naturally. Like there's nothing, like there's nothing to them. A stiff breeze could flip them off the street. Like get out of the way. Like you're a waste of resources. All right. So on a scale, this should have been in the weekly recap. Jesus, this is the hook that brings people in. But on a scale of zero to 10, what would you consider yourself an alpha? Like zero being beta and 10 being alpha. Dude, I'm extremely hard on myself. So like you were in the army but you also watch gilmore girls so you're like a solid five i would go higher than five though because i can do yeah, i can I do some stuff yeah but i would i would keep it around like a six i wouldn't go higher than a seven yeah. but you know yeah i, I mean, mean i'm I, still like yeah i was in the army but i was still an infantryman like i wasn't a pogue right i played sports yeah you know like i i grabbed the bull by the horns i lift i don't you know like I understand the importance of leg day. Right. And I'm not a vegan. So. 
And I don't no, have like gluten true. intolerances or anything. Yeah, I'm gonna go fake. six, six point five. Yeah. I'm gonna go like five point two, five point five because like I know how to do things. I'm very resourceful, but I also cried at Toy Story three, so <laughs> I'm kind of like right in the middle there. And I, I feel like I'm definitely nowhere near a beta, but I'm I'm not close to an alpha. Here's I try, thing. and I I'm good at faking it till I make it. That's literally been my life throughout all schooling, throughout my entire career, is just pretend like you know what you're doing. I have a job in cybersecurity. I don't know anything about technology. <laughs> I'm asking my friend about what Ethernet cable to get because I don't know anything about it. I just fake it till I make it. That's all we're doing. What you have to do is, if you want to gain points on the alpha scale... You're playing for points. We're playing for points. And there isn't such thing as a stupid question. But if you want to gain points on the alpha scale, you got to take initiative when it isn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, when we went to Home Depot and the employee was mopping water outside and doing nothing and we had things to do and there's a line of people behind us, someone has to approach the employee and state for him to do his job because mentally, clearly, he isn't there. So someone's got to do that. Yeah, And, and I'm if just you're sitting- not willing to do that, beta move. But I'm also sitting in the passenger seat like, oh, my God, my husband is wild. <laughs> While you're over berating a Home Depot employee that gets paid minimum wage. I was screaming at him. <laughs> Go in the back, grab the thing. If you're not forklift operator certified, figure it out and do it yourself. Like, you can do that. Like, get certified or find the dude that is if you're not in the meantime. Like, do your job. There's a line of people waiting for curbside pickup because of world events. We're not allowed to go in the store and grab it ourselves. Correct. Like, that sounds like a you problem, pal. <laughs> like, I'm here on time. I had the appointment. I'm ready to go. I have a vehicle that I can maintain and handle the load that I'm about to endure. Like, f- let's go. And we got double our shipment anyway. Well, yeah, you did. And I just sat there and laughed. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So you got to be that person, you know, you got to, you got to direct the sheep yeah, because they exist. They're there. I'm right. Like a B positive. Like if we're going blood type and like alpha beta stuff, I may be positive right now. <laughs> I'm a little bit trending towards alpha and I'm getting there, but <laughs> I can't lie that I have some beta tendencies in me sometimes. I'm a O pause. So are you really? Yeah. Good for you. That means like you can do whatever you want, right? Like you can amputate your arm and someone will have blood for you. Isn't yeah. You know what that means? Uh, yeah. I'm I'm universal donor, and then O neg you can take any blood I believe or vice A B positive, A B positive you can take no A B negative you can I take literally any blood. just had this conversation I already forgot it A B negative you can take any blood, and O positive you can give any blood. So if I ever die or lose a limb because we've been in this garage for too long, I know that you can you can save me. O pos is given to patients. More than any other blood type, which is why it's considered the most needed blood type. 38% of the population has O-pos, making it the most common blood type. Oh, you're common? Look at you. In regards to blood. You regular. O-negative is the universal blood type. It is the most common blood type used for transfusions when the blood type is unknown. Correct. So O-neg is the universal donor. And then who's the universal receiver? It's A-B-neg, right? Uh, I believe it's an yeah, it's, it's, it's some variation of... Something like, something like that. So universal. I think it's AB positive. Recipient. Yeah. AB pause. Yeah. We come at you hard with the facts. That's right. But yeah. So listen, if you want to, if you want to fix your issues or deficiencies or whatever primary malfunctions you have as a human being, as a male, keep your <laughs> shoulders back. Do 50 push ups a night. Do Speaking. planks. Do planks. 
and body squats and pull-ups and then work on not tying and the fundamentals of marksmanship and you'll be far above the rest. Speaking of keeping your shoulders back, that is the biggest sign of a beta male. It's like if you if you have hunched shoulders, your palms face out when you walk. <laughs> Just because that's human anatomy. Your palms face out when you walk. It's not good. You got to have like you know there's a such thing as a military posture. Like it's it's scientifically taught in college what is it it's it's just like you're a statue like you have like this like most people chill like military postures up like your chest is up and out your shoulders are back and you're you're basically sitting at the position of attention at all times sometimes my same with you when you walk sometimes my sternum hurts and it's either a heart attack or i have poor (laughs) posture so (laughs) whenever it starts hurting i just do like the like reset my posture and i'm golden well, yeah, posture, posture is the key to life. Crazy. All these people are weak. Well, I don't really know where this episode went. I mean, we <laughs> were talking hard about everything else, and then it just kind of went downhill into a spiral about Alpha, Beta, and Charlie Mills. But uh, that's really it. That's the episode. We are on episode 70. So, everybody, thank you so much for chilling with us. Hit that subscribe button, like, and a comment. We really appreciate it. We upload all the time. So, follow us on Instagram and our Facebook at the Buffalo Happy Hour 12. And uh, just remember, be a good person uh, and drink responsibly. And, Mike? Do not litter. Yes. So, thank you, everybody, and we are out. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details